Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. And Andy, I've thought about it, and I really do want to be here. <laughs> oh, good. Today we're talking about Minute 64, which begins with Loki craving power and vengeance and ends with Loki expanding Agent Barton's mind. Back on the show, it's Travis Bowe. Hello, Travis. Hello there. All right. We're wrapping up our conversation with uh, Thor and Fury, with Coulson just kind of uh, looking on. This is this uh, point when Fury is really kind of pushing at Thor, trying to get him uh, to be part of the team, I suppose, is is what what's happening here. I mean, how does this conversation, I, I know you really are a fan of the conversation with Coulson and Thor. Now that it's shifted to really this conversation between Thor and, and uh, Nick Fury, yeah, how does this play for you? <laughs> it, at first, <laughs> oh boy, where to start? Um, yeah. At first, I was still a little, you know, like, Fury, why'd you have to ruin this moment? You know, leave me and <laughs> Thor and Coulson and, you know. Part of it's like, it's a little like, what are you getting at here, Fury? Why are you talking about war? You yada, yada. And then I, I guess I have to back up and because I, for the longest time, I could not understand what Thor was saying. The words, yeah. you know, there's no pain would prize his need from him. No idea. I thought prize. Okay. Like a, like a trophy, you know, um, because I good, did not understand what he was saying here. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. The word is prize, P-R-I-S-E. It means, right, to pry. To pry, yeah. yeah, yeah. So then this whole thing about being, what are you prepared to do? And then cutting from here to Black Widow and Loki. Shouldn't this be Thor and Loki having a conversation? Shouldn't? Fury be trying to urge Thor into this confrontation. So that feels a little weird to have this, the, the end of this conversation with, with Thor and uh, Fury to then cut to two other people. I, I don't know. So I, I don't know how I feel about this. I got, I have feelings too. <laughs> and they're confused as well. And part of it is because Thor leans in so hard on Loki's drive for vengeance against him. Mm. And I continuously forget that. Like, right. it feels like Loki is motivated by so many other things, like, you know, drive for power, but vengeance against Thor? I just... I, it just feels a little narcissistic, Thor. Honestly, I think Loki would like, <laughs> let's just say Thor were out of the picture. I think Loki would still be doing this thing. I feels like he would still be there. Am I totally out of line? I, I bet he thinks this plot is uh, about him. Yeah. He, I, don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Andy, you got to keep up. We're doing a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's Thor's vanity. He's still a... He's not fully humbled, you know. He still has some vanity, yes, and and can only think that that Loki is still just trying to get out of Thor's shadow and and still resenting right. him for all that. That's right, because in his youth he courted war. He says, looking at himself in a mirror and brushing <laughs> his hair over his shoulder. Mm. <laughs> well, here's the thing: as far as Loki knows, 
uh, well, I mean, he's the one who actually gives us the answer as to how Thor got here. That you know, the All Father used the dark, uh, dark, ma- dark energy, uh, dark magic, whatever, to get him here because the Rainbow Bridge is broken. The Bifrost is no more, and so he obviously knows there is a way to get here. Although it pay, they have to pay a price to do it. It's it's very it's a heavy toll to kind of use that much to make to get Thor here. Uh, so I so I don't know how much. Loki thinks that they're actually paying attention to Midgard at this point in time, other than the fact that in the comics, there was this uh, moment where Frigga reaches out to him. She finds him in Sanctuary, reaches out to him. He refuses to talk to her, but she knows that he's alive now, and she's the one who tells uh, Odin and Thor that he's alive, and I believe Heimdall is the one who finds him on Earth, which is why they send him there. So all of that is kind of there as far as kind of plot from the comics. But from what we get here in the film, Loki comes down to Midgard. I, you know, I kind of have this sense that even if, even if he was here and assumed that Thor had no idea that he was on Midgard, I do kind of have this sense that knowing that Thor has this idea of being the protector of Midgard and all of this that we got from the movie, Loki would see that as a great reason to decide he's going to make Midgard his own. And even if Thor is gone, just the fact that he could claim it as his own, I think would give him a lot of joy. Sure. Yeah, I think so. And so that maybe that makes Thor's entire perspective here just more rich because it is so narcissistic, mm-hmm. like it in this moment that really, come on, man, like it's we're, we're all fighting the same battle. It's not all about your family. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, obviously, from Thor's perspective, there's no pain that would prize this need from uh, from Loki. Like all Loki cares about is this vengeance. Uh, you know, it, it is so focused on like it. I mean, because he says it's not just the power. It's really like vengeance and nothing will make him stop is really kind of the way that he's selling it so no amount of torture coercion pain is gonna pry his his need or his loki so what is loki's need loki's need is to upstage thor to take control of midgard to but you, those are two different. Those are two interestingly different things because I know that in the in the comics there is much more of a, and even in the last movie there was much more of a brother uh, brother against brother kind of vibe. But um, I don't think that is sold well in this movie. I think that it's it's asking a lot of past movies to carry the weight of this the the brother animosity, and I don't think this movie does that well. No, it doesn't, and it also like this scene kind of confuses it a little bit because if. If it is really vengeance, I mean, what Thor is saying is like, look, you already caught him. He's a prisoner now, so there's really nothing I have to do. What do you want me to do, torture him? We just need to find the Tesseract and I can leave. That's basically his whole thing right now. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what, I don't know, the the way that Fury hit the, that line, which I, I mean, I, I like to a certain extent because it does fit with the vibe that this team isn't working well yet. But like, why do I feel like he's the only person on this boat that wants to be here? It's a good line. It's a great line, uh, but yeah. it does kind of like, as far as Thor is concerned, it's like there is there is some confusion in there as far as like, well, yeah, but you have him. I just need the Tesseract. What are you telling me? Fury is so roundabout in his asking of Thor to help here. And this, I think, is something that 
I don't know if it's because Samuel L. Jackson just delivers these sorts of lines like really well that just makes it so easy to watch. But it's, I don't know, I just, I think that it's interesting how he just kind of keeps spinning this around, throwing everything back at Thor, like, you know, like, what are you asking him to do? I'm asking, what are you prepared to do? It's like, just just tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you guys both skipped the line that hits me right between the eyes. It, it, it makes me squint. It makes my face pucker. It's fascist fury saying a lot of guys think that until the pain starts. Right. Fury is he is he he's really suggesting now that he is open to torturing Loki, God of Asgard? Absolutely. That is what Fury wants in this moment is for Thor to go in there and do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes and, and throw Loki all around that impressive cage. Yeah, that's what Fury wants right now. And yeah, he's he's not getting that across or Thor is is. Essentially, yeah, he's he's refusing. He's saying that no amount of torture is is going to make Loki talk. Yeah. Um, This moment really is a lot like not this moment, but this, you know, the same summer you've got the Dark Knight or no, that was 2008. Yeah, that was. um, Yeah, because that and Iron Man came out. Right. Okay. I I always think that Avengers and Dark Knight came out, but both movies have. The villain gets apprehended, gets put in a prison, is exactly where he wants to be. But this is interesting, too, in this sequence, like it's blocked in such a way that that, you know, Fury as a representative of a uh, a domestic U.S. domestic now global military organization is moving down this road of we're going to go ahead and use enhanced interrogation techniques. Right. This is when the pain starts. Meanwhile, Steve is sniffing out a cover-up in the giant warehouse room and starts to sort of bifurcate their roles together. And so it, it or roles from one another as, as you know, hero and potentially villain. And I think that's a really interesting way to structure it. It makes this scene funky, but, um, but I do think it's, it's interesting, the paths that they're on. I wish, I really wish Steve was in this scene. You know, I wish he would pipe up and say, are you talking about torture? Because we don't do that. Yeah, you know, we don't do that. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 That's what we need said at some point. And I think we get a little bit of that soon. Yeah. Well, and they kind of say it because they never do try to torture Loki. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, it's interesting because they're they're talking about it and it just makes you wonder, like, uh, well, I mean, I guess I guess the point is we will never know where the further plans were, because obviously Loki had ulterior motives and had a plan of his own that is already taking place. We'll find out, you know, that within the next 10 minutes that something is is happening from his side of things. And I think that uh, potentially would disrupt anything that they were trying to do as far as Loki. Like maybe they maybe if Clint didn't show up, maybe we would have ended up in a situation where he was directly telling Thor, I want you to go in there and get the answer from him. Yeah. So. Did you guys ever have a hard time literally understanding what Thor said there with the, there's no pain oh, yeah. rises need from him? Okay. Yeah. I, I kept thinking that he was saying that he said pry 
this need from him. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it does sound like there's an extra S in there. So I'm like, is that just yeah. uh, the way that Chris Hemsworth is saying it? And then I looked at the script and I'm like, oh, no, I guess it is prize this need from him. Yeah, It's that, like, not even Stan Lee, when he was writing Shakespearean, you know, dialogue for Thor, I think would, like, they didn't even come up with, like, confusing uh, lines like this. Yeah, and that was something that I was thinking about as I was listening to Thor. I'm like, is this definitely a sign of different writers coming in to write the character? Because I didn't really have any of these struggles in Thor when we were right. talking about a very Shakespearean take on kind of that yeah. that story um, with the big language and everything. But it wasn't as confused as this is. Yeah, I think it's the, this, I think, is just the director slash writer wanting to get some of that Shakespearean word salad in here for Thor, I guess. I, I guess. I guess that's what they're aiming for. So, uh, well. Well, we go from this moment to another moment, I guess you could say. You know, we're talking about Loki, and of course, we cut to Loki. And uh, this is kind of, uh, you know, we've seen these transitions before. You know, we were looking at Eric and and talking about him and Jane, and then we cut to Jane on the computer. And now the same thing, you know, they're talking about Loki and uh, Loki, we see him now. He is in his prison and lo and behold, he smiles and is uh, surprised pleasantly because Natasha has snuck up on him. And, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Is this just a skill set of hers? Like she can't just walk in, she needs to sneak in? Is there a reason that it's it's portrayed this way? I like thinking of it that way more than anything in the world <laughs> like this is her power that she can't turn off she's always sneaking around yeah. <laughs> i yeah i think it, it's a nice shorthand we can visually display her skill but i do think that the way they frame it by keeping the focus on loki and then him realizing what's happened and then cutting you know moving the camera down to show this empty space or this space where where she's standing if they had panned across that same space and she wasn't there and then we come back and she suddenly is that would work a lot better than keeping the frame on loki and then showing us somewhere that we haven't already seen you know it's not as impressive if we don't know if she was already standing there, you know? Yeah, and he just didn't notice, right? She could have been standing there for, for 10 minutes and he was just <laughs> he was not looking. That that does make it funny. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool to show the empty, to show the blank space where she is going to be, Yeah, you know, pan away, pan, then pan with him. So that she, where she's going to be standing is out of frame and then cut back and she's suddenly there. And, and then it is a, a how did she get there so fast? But yeah, the yeah. way they frame it now, it's, I don't know that she wasn't already standing there. I mean, yeah, for, for blocking purposes, it was probably easier to just say, uh, I mean, maybe they, they might have had Scarlett Johansson duck just to make it easier just in case the camera did dip down. Sure. But largely, the, like the, the way that they frame it, she really wouldn't have had to like she is so far below the frame that when it tips down it's like yeah she could have been totally fine just standing there and not having to worry about it 
I like the idea, though, of Loki not noticing her for five minutes mm-hmm. and then saying aloud, not many people sneak up on me, though. Like, I think that's funny. How long have you been standing there? <laughs> yeah, right. what is, To the point, uh, point where she's you, finally tapping her foot, like, come on, how long is it going to yeah, take this idiot? Beep, 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 beep. Like, you start making stupid sounds. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking about this um, as far as her sneaking in, because if she sneaks in, like, I mean, looking at the way that the layout of the room is like when we see, especially when she leaves, we'll see it, it better. Uh, there's like stairs on either side and down at the end, there's a doorway. I'm assuming that the door makes a noise when it opens and closes. And that's kind of would be Loki's signal that somebody is coming or going. And so it does make me wonder, like, how did she get in here if she wasn't if she wasn't coming in through the doors, you know, because um, like she would have to have some other stealthy secret way to kind of get in here. Well, Cap's already proven that these, you know, steel doors can be opened without anyone noticing. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what it is. She had to break it so nobody heard it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, how do we know? It's just not open in the bottom, and she climbed in from the outside of the ship. Yeah, she scaled the outside of the ship. (laughs) She scaled the transparent. (laughs) But I I like the idea that there, she knows of some secret passageways, some little air air duct, you know, that she can sneak into places. She, we actually see soon just how adept she is with duct work. Yeah, that's right. It just, I know the whole thing is like it is one of those funny bits because it's like did she really need to sneak in here right i I guess what they're maybe saying and maybe she did this specifically for loki is the fact that there is this element she may be trying to make him think that nobody knows she's here because she only came to talk about barton yeah and wants it to be kind of a covert conversation and so oh i absolutely believe that but that means she's posing like this whole sneaking up on him is all part of her design. Sure. Yeah. And don't you, I mean, don't you think that's what we reveal later in, in a minute or two? Like, oh, oh I'm so sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It's, it's just funny that at this point, it's just like... The deception started yeah. before, yeah, yes. Right. Off screen, just a a little bit, yeah. It's, it, but it's like, it, this. this reminds me of the of the young child running through the streets of Kolkata who, mm, yeah. who clearly is, doesn't <laughs> oh. need to be running yeah. in order to convince Bruce to come with her. But this is that same thing. Like she's going through all of this extra, these extra steps just to get in here to make him think these things. And she's probably just like in the back of her mind, like, God, the things I have to do mm-hmm. just to go through this process of getting this information from somebody. She was hiding there for three hours. <laughs> she's been there the whole time she was here when when fury was here earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's a it's a what's what is the term i'm totally blanking the um the life uh life decoy life that's sitting in the conference up at the conference room yeah <laughs> i like that <laughs> this is one of the only times probably that loki is is obviously caught off guard. You know, he's, I guess that's the best way to say it. You know, most of the time when he's interacting with someone, it's on his terms. He has engaged them, um, I guess, except for when Thor just grabs him off the, you know, 
ship or whatever. But for the most part, he doesn't do anything that he doesn't want to do. And so now he's finding himself in a room with someone else that he didn't, you know, orchestrate. So I like that he's on the back foot, I guess, or he's playing defense now. The conversation is a nice one. And and the fact that she kind of set this whole thing up just to have this covert conversation with him. I mean, it plays nice. And obviously she's doing it in a way where she's going to be making him think that she, that, that, you know, she's doing exactly what he wants. And it's just like, it plays really well. I like the way that she does this, even if it is the third time that she's used this tactic in the film, you know what? It's, <laughs> it's the only I, thing she's got. Andy. It's, either that, it's either that or sneaking in, sneaking <laughs> up on people. <laughs> <laughs> she does it to Bruce too. That's two for two. She's sneaking everywhere. <laughs> we just I bet she did it with the Russians as well. Oh. <laughs> uh, man. Seeing Loki in, in this uh costume, guys, that's the same guy from minute one that gets that scepter. I I finally figured out who that was <laughs> way back did in minute finally, one. <laughs> yeah. You finally got there? Because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. We finally get enough of the costume to go, oh, him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm so glad you pointed that out. <laughs> Call back. You know what we, were, what we were talking about, though, and this is funny, just going back to minute one because of this, but when he's talking to the other, you know, we do get to see that the other has the six fingers. Yeah. And so now we don't know who is actually the person giving. Oh, right. I just listened to that. Yeah. We don't know who's actually giving the scepter to Loki because it's not the other and it's not Thanos. So I don't know if it's a Jatari. I'm not exactly sure who. Hey, it's Ebony Maul. <laughs> right. It's just, <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to compare arms when we get to a point yes. where we can see his arms to see. Is that a is that an anchor tattoo? It's Popeye, you guys. Popeye <laughs> is part of the MCU. So weird. I'm sure I heard that gurgling in the background. Sorry. I bet if we look really hard, we'll see a can of an open spinach laying on the ground somewhere out there. <laughs> All right. So so we're getting this interesting conversation between Loki and Natasha about um, the whole idea of the tortures and she would come here as this balm and everything. And I, I don't know, I guess I found it interesting the idea that perhaps she's early, at least the way that he's thinking it, because yeah. it kind of like he figured that she would come after being tortured, but, but here she is. And so I, I guess it is, I guess, again, this speaks to that idea of this being a secret conversation that she didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. So is he saying that Fury is going to be would lead would ultimately resort to torture and then she would be the good cop i guess why mm -hmm. i don't know you know she says that you were expecting me you figured i'd come you figured i'd come why I, you know i don't necessarily understand because these two have really no connection i guess other than barton of course so thinking about it that, that does make sense that now they're both without saying it that yes, this is a secret conversation because you have Barton. Uh, that I guess that makes sense, but I don't know why he thinks. Why would I don't know? <laughs> it's well, it's kind of frustrating, and here's yeah. part of my frustration. And again, going back to this thing about this is round three of her using this tactic. 
Loki knows everything he knows about all of these people because he has Clint in his control. And Clint has filled him in on all of these details. We've really been able to gather this. I mean, he knew about Captain America when he showed up in Stuttgart. Like, he has all of this information about all these characters. He knows a lot about Natasha, as as we'll find out in the coming minutes. Yet he doesn't know that this is a tactic that she uses of, of this kind of like the way that she plays people like this. And it's interesting. And I, I, I guess I'd really have to think about this scene to see is the way that she decided to approach this. Obviously, she would know that Clint would have told him all of this. Yeah, because she's certainly going to faux react to it all later. But is she taking this approach by coming early and using this tactic, even though Loki potentially knows she would use this tactic, but deciding to focus on Barton as the way to kind of, to in Loki's mind, get past the idea that this is the tactic, if that makes any sense. Right. I, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> I know. I, know. I think I was confusing myself as I was saying. There, there's a, that's a real Irish knot that you've just created, I think. But but part of it is, deep down, Loki, we know Loki wishes he'd gotten Natasha mm. and not Barton. Oh, like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Those arrows came in handy in Stuttgart. Yeah, that's true. He'll have another handy arrow in a in a yeah. short while. That's yep. true. That's true. I think what I you know, all this makes me realize that I wish I had a thirty second scene between Barton and Loki, where almost. I mean, this is so weird because I I made a comparison to. Two Towers in minute one of of mm-hmm. a Grimma Worm Tongue and you know all that. I I need the scene where he's where where Worm Tongue is telling uh, Saruman like this is what Theoden is going to do. He's going to take the women and children to Helm's Deep. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. And so I need a scene here where Barton says Fury's going to do this. He's going to come at you with torture. Then. Black Widow is going to come at you with, you know, the good cop or something to, yeah. to let us see that that Barton is sharing all of this information and tactics and strategy. You know, just give us something like that, I think, would go a long way to making this sequence make a little bit more sense, you know. I don't have as much of a problem with her sneaking up and that being her superpower, like using it multiple times. That's that's not a thing I ever really second guess. I think my bigger um, I- issue is the is the uh, more the Loki centric m- motivation. I don't actually have a problem that maybe Barton like I, I feel like it, it might be a bridge too far, assuming that Barton would have told him everything about her and her like abilities that that feels like i unfair uh rationalization to this scene but i do wonder a little bit why um you know why she needs to go to such lengths to get to get this out of him and why it's so easy for her to do so mm. i don't i mean i just feel like loki's a little bit soft here and part of that is is biased about what we've seen from loki since like he's He's just a more interesting and compelling character than in later pieces. And here he's he's kind of wishy-washy to the needs of the plot. And 
I don't find that as satisfying. And I think that's that's what's on display here. He's an unsatisfying variant. Let's let's just say calling a spade a spade. <laughs> if you played it a little bit more arrogant that yeah, you you mortals couldn't possibly trick me. I'm the, I'm the god of mischief. I am the king of tricks, you know. Yeah. You you're just a mortal. You couldn't possibly get one over on me. Like play a little bit more like that. Is, yeah, yeah. His, his arrogance and his refusal to believe that you know someone could fool him. But as we've said a, a number of times, I think on this show, it's like I think they still didn't know what they had mm. in in Tom absolutely Hiddleston, in his portrayal of this character and how much people would like yeah to spend more time with him. Yeah, that's possible. But I also think that, you know, it, it boils down to the writers, you know, putting putting pen to page and coming up with lines and situations. And I think there were ways to maybe craft this where it could have actually played a little stronger. I mean, I, I still think it's a fun scene. And I do enjoy this kind of this cat and mouse game that these two are playing here. And the way that the resolution is a great surprise, even if I, you know, have to kind of close off the idea in the back of my head that that Loki of all people should know this from Clint that she uses this sort of tactic and being the god of mischief this is exactly his sort of tactic so you would think that he would really know that she's doing something like this with him but you know the other way to look at this is how crafty and smart Natasha is she would now know, okay, Barton's been compromised. Barton would tell him all of my tricks. So I have to do something that Barton wouldn't know about. The Barton wouldn't know to tell him this isn't something I would normally do. So maybe, maybe she is, maybe we're not giving her enough credit that she's come up with this plan because it's something that Barton wouldn't know. Yeah, well, that's a really good point that this is what the Avengers do is they take their they they take, you know, things into their own hands and they act. And like this was this was her plan. Maybe nobody knew anything about what she was going to do. Fury maybe didn't know. Maybe it's legitimately she is playing uh, her own sort of game of of innocent, you know, or possum or whatever in order to get what she needs. And she is successful for the needs of the plot. I, I, I just I really want there to be something like you know the conversation between uh Vicini and the dread pirate roberts as Vicini <laughs> is figuring out yeah, all yeah. of this stuff like you know what i know and i know right. like like that whole thing i you feel go down like, that road yeah it becomes a uh well he'll know that i'm gonna do this and well, that means i'm gonna right. do this and yeah right well, the movie doesn't need that because yeah. we just did it right here right. on the podcast <laughs> send him to this minute but now I really want a shirt, Pete. This is for you of oh. of Loki and Natasha sitting on opposite sides of that uh, little stump <laughs> with iocane powder, trying to decide if they're going to drink it or not. Like that, that oh to me gosh. is just pure magic. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty much it for Minute 64. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 65, more of this conversation. So we'll be talking more about Loki and Natasha. Uh, that's it for today. Travis, remind everybody about what you're up to and where they can find it. At some point, you can check out Minute of Thieves. Uh, it's a Movies by Minutes project I'm doing on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So look out for that. Uh, currently, it's on, uh, we're, we've got an Instagram account, Minute of Thieves. So follow that, and then you'll 
you'll be aware once the show airs. Fantastic. Uh, check for that in the show notes, everybody. We'll have that along with other links for Travis's projects. So you can find it all in the show notes. If you don't see it in the show notes in your podcatcher, just go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com, and you can get everything there. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 65. So, Pete, thanks as always. Never go against an Asgardian when death is on the line. To the pain. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.